Um, I'm excited this morning because we're going to be jumping into something that's, uh, that's very near and dear to my heart. I, I am so passionate about this, and, um, and it's also a gift from heaven that I think is one of those gifts that we, uh, we suddenly discover that there's a whole lot more that this can do than we realized. I, I was dwelling on this this week, and I was thinking, I've never seen a child receive a gift and either just straight up ignore it, or, or actually even worse, just as a, a, a conditioned response to say, thank you, and then put it on the shelf and not even open the gift. I don't know if I've ever seen a child do that. Um, and then I, I was considering that and thinking, it seems crazy, right? But actually, church, we, we tend to do it all the time, uh, more often than we realize. Last week, I spoke on the gift of communion. And this week, I want to speak to us about the gift of prayer. It is a remarkable gift. It's a gift that Jesus has given us, and He invites us to unwrap the gift. Uh, he invites us to not only just start to use it for what we can see initially, but to read the user manual. Um, I've, I've sometimes received things in the past where I've gone, wow, this is really amazing, and look what this can do. And I may have it for years or, or weeks or months or whatever it might be, and then invariably it's going to be my small son that will come up to me or my daughter that will come up to me and say, hey, Dad, look at this. And they'll show me something with it that I never knew it could do because I never read the user's manual. You know, us, us men, I think it's become notoriously known. We don't ask for directions and we don't read the manual, do we? Well, I want to suggest men and all of us, let's read the manual because we're going to be doing that this morning. We're going to be spending quite a bit of time in the Word. Uh, I'm going to go through some Scripture, because really, at the heart of it, what does Jesus say? What, is, what does the Scripture say about this gift of prayer? The thing about uh, God giving gifts is we, as God's children, receive many gifts from Him. And, and the, the thing about this is that some we're not even aware of. Other, other gifts we receive, we, uh, we may well just put them on the shelf and um, and say we know about them, but we've never actually done anything because we don't realize the inherent value in those gifts. And uh, sadly, there's, there's many in the church today that would even say that some of God's gifts to the church are actually not even of God. And I just think of one example as the gift of tongues. Uh, sadly, there are many that don't actually believe that that is a gift that's relevant or is even godly today. Uh, some would even ascribe it as to demonic. And that really saddens me because there is so much that God gives us. And you know, God gives us these gifts for purpose. As I was spending some time in prayer this morning, I was really drawn to Isaiah chapter 60, which uh, is one of my favorite scriptures. And it says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come. It is, it is a prophetic uh, calling out, a declaration. It's God calling to the church. It's saying, come on, arise, shine. And and these gifts that God gives us, the gift of prayer, the gift of communion, the gift of tongues, there's so many, there's many spiritual gifts that God gives us. These gifts He gives us for the purpose of what we're going to read here. Arise, shine, church, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Have you looked around you lately? Have you looked around in our world around us? Darkness covers our earth, friends. Thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you. Church, you and I, this is the declaration of the Lord over us. The Lord rises upon us, and His glory appears over us. 
Nations will come to our light and kings to the brightness of our dawn. That's a remarkable promise. And God gives us gifts to utilize in order for us to function in the fullness of the glory that's upon us. And I want that to sink in for a moment because if you want to live out the purpose and the plans that God has for you, you've got to start using the gifts that He's given you and I. So let's tap into this a bit further. Today, honestly, friends, honestly, for the sake of time, for the sake of what the, the Scriptures are full of, I'm, I'm barely scratching the surface on the gift of prayer. But my heart in this today, and I, I really only have two desires for you, our family, our friends, for those that are listening in, um, I have two desires. Number one is that you would gain a deeper revelation and a grasp of the magnitude and the power of this gift of prayer. And you know what? That you would wrap, and, and you would just rip off the wrapping on this gift. Just, just rip it. Be like a kid and rip it off and just say, oh my goodness, I didn't even know I had it on the shelf. Or I, I didn't even know that this was possible. I, one of my deep desires for you today is that, that right there. And then the second thing that I would have for us is that we would make uh, some real adjustments to our everyday world. Not because I've said it, not because you feel you should, but because as you grow in a deeper revelation of this gift of prayer, that you and I would make the adjustments in our everyday real busy lives to say, actually, there's something here that I need to be paying more attention to in my life. Church, I promise you this, your life will never be the same if you take a hold and grip this gift of prayer in ways you've never imagined how. Martin Luther once said this, he says, I have so much to do today that I shall spend three hours in prayer. What a profound statement. I have so much to do today that I shall spend three hours in prayer. Now there's a man walking in Revelation. The busiest day is the more that you would spend time in prayer. And, and for a man to say something like that says that he's seen something in the value of prayer that you and I possibly haven't yet grasped the reality of. I, I was reflecting on a, on a great message that I heard a few weeks ago, and then I realized I preached it. <laughs> and and um, I, uh, I think the surprise was, number one, that it was great. Um, sometimes we can be so critical of ourselves, can't we? But I realized that actually in that moment, God had said something in and through me that was not just for us, the church, but was deeply for me as well. And I was very convicted with it. And one of the, the things that really struck me, I want to read this piece, piece, portion of Scripture for you first. And it's out of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And it says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving, four things, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The, the New Living Translation says this, I urge you, first of all, that statement up front, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives, etc., etc. I, I won't go into the rest of that for the sake of time, but simply what is the scripture saying? It says pray for all people and especially for all your leaders. 
So I want, I want us to hear that this morning. And it doesn't just say pray for. It says four specific things. It says petition God for them. Pray to God for them. Intercede to God for them. And give thanks to God for them. Four key things that God says in how we are to pray for all people. Clearly, friends, our prayers have significant impact. If God says that that's good and what pleases Him. I, I, I love the way that the NLT and the message actually says it as well. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how it says and for everyone you know. The first thing to do is pray and pray in the way you know how. And I want to free us up this morning, church. Uh, the you may have got caught up in, well, that's the wrong way to pray, and this is the right way to pray. And I really want to free us up this morning, friends. We're all in this gracious way of living. My, my point in this is this. When my children are growing up and they're learning how to speak, I will make every effort as their father to try and understand what they're saying. And as they practice and get better at it, their language grows and their ability to communicate grows more and more. In other words, I am better able to understand them as time goes. But I don't get mad at them because they can't speak properly. And I want to, I want to really challenge us this morning to say God is our Father. And He has the grace for us. And, and I love the way the message puts it. Pray every way you know how. You know, we learn and we grow. And there are more effective ways to communicate and to pray. I will say that. But let's grow into those and let's have grace for one another and grace for ourselves in that. Regarding praying for our leaders for a moment here, I wanted to take a moment, especially in this season of life that we're in right now, I, I do want to acknowledge that the Scripture doesn't say anything about we shouldn't have any opinions or something to say about how our leaders are leading or what they're doing. But I do want to point this out to us. The first thing that the Scripture says to us to do is to pray. We just read it out of two translations. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Here's the truth, church. When the first thing that we've done is to petition God for our leaders, is to intercede for our leaders, to pray for our leaders, and the real kicker is to give thanks for our leaders, even if we're not feeling very thankful for them. Here's the, the truth of what follows. When we do that, and that sets our mindsets, and we, we establish ourselves in that way, honestly, church, it has to change the way we talk about them in the future. I really want to challenge us with that this morning. Uh, absolutely vote. Be intentional. It's, it's our responsibility to, to vote for our leaders, but it's even more our responsibility to intercede for, pray for, give thanks for. Honestly, church, give thanks for your leaders. It's really important. How much have you and I really prayed for our leaders? No, I mean really prayed for our leaders. God really convicted me of this in the last few weeks. Because I, I think I've got a lot to say about our leaders, but how much have I prayed for, interceded for, thanked God for our leaders? Do I even know their names? Do I know the name of my local mayor? Do I know the names of the city council? Do I know, know the names of the, the First Nations chiefs in our area? Do I know the names of MLAs, MPs? Do I know the wife of our prime minister's name? Do I know his children's name? I love this. We need to make sure that our thoughts and our conversations are consistent with our prayers. 
Ooh. Let me say that again. We need to make sure that our thoughts and our conversations are consistent with our prayers. Okay, that's, that's pressing it right now. I'm going to move on to the next point here. Do I really understand how powerful and significant my prayers are? Because if I did, it would radically change the way I live and the way I pray, church. Here's what the Bible has to say about our prayers. One of my most powerful prayers that have given me such deep revelation and reminded me consistently that how I pray and how often I pray and, and how uh, committed I am to prayer uh, not only is important, but it makes a difference. Let me read this, and I, I love the amplified translation of this. James chapter 5, verse 16b through 18. It says, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much. Let me just pause there for a second. It says heartfelt and it says persistent. I've got to mean what I'm praying. It's not a religious ritual. It can't be that. Uh, There's value to doxology. There's there's value to liturgy. And some of us have grown up in those kind of seasons. And and I really do believe that there's great value in that. But when it becomes a religious routine, uh, we lose it, church. We lose the value. And I want to challenge and encourage us this morning to say that prayer is not a religious ritual. Prayer is a deep two-way relationship between a father and his son or his daughter. My children don't come to me and, and read off religious ritualistic um, things. Oh, Father, I am here today. I'm not worthy to be your son. I, I'm going, I'm sorry, who are you? You're my son. And in Christ, we are worthy. And I, I want to challenge us to, to, to pray to our Father. We pray with honor and with respect, but He is our Father. And let's pray with that way. So heartfelt and persistent. You know what persistent means? It means persistent. <laughs> Don't give up. Keep pressing in. And I want to speak to that again in a moment. Of a righteous man or a believer, oh, well, there it goes. I, I'm not righteous, you might say. Let me, let me give you some good news today. There's nothing you have done, can do, will do, will ever do if you are a blood-bought believer that loves Jesus and has accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. You are declared righteous because of Jesus' bloodshed on the cross as we've just celebrated. Period. Church, let that settle in. If you're not sure of that... If, if you're saying, well, I don't know, and I, please speak to one of us as the leaders. Let us help you to not pick the leaves of the clover and say, he loves me, he loves me not. He, I, I am righteous, I am not. In Christ, you are declared righteous by God himself. So therefore, your heartfelt and your persistent prayers can accomplish much when they are put into action. Guess whose responsibility that is, church? Not God's, yours and mine. We need to put these things into action. And guess who makes them effective? God Himself. They put into action by us and they're made effective by God. The, the prayers we pray are dynamic and can have tremendous power, the Scripture says. Other translations say they are powerful and effective. I love that word effective. Effective means what? that expect change. That's what it's saying, essentially. And then I love this in verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. 
What, what nature is that, you might ask? Well, the Amplified unpacks it a bit further. It says, with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. Suddenly, Elijah seems a whole lot more like a normal person like you and me, doesn't he? And he was a man just like us. And he prayed. How did he pray? Intensely. <laughs> for it not to rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again. And the sky gave rain. And the land produced its crops as usual. Church, persistence in prayer does not change God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But our persistence in prayer does prepare us, strengthen us, and build us for the answer God has for us or through us. That's the value of persistence. It establishes character within us to step into the wholeness of the answer God wants to give us. I, I love the, the, the gift of prayer. And I, I want to just go back to the basics for a moment here and just to say, what, what is prayer? And as we mentioned earlier, prayer is simply a two-way communication between a father and his son or daughter. And, and it's really a natural thing for a child to ask their father for what they need. It happens all the time in our world. There's a whole lot of asking for what they want in our world, but they are the asking for what they need as well. And I just love the fact that there's so many promises in God's Word that, that really should catch our intention and, and not only catch our attention, but encourage us in the way that we should pray. Here's just a few. Psalm 91 verse 15. When they call on me, God says, I will answer and I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and I will honor them. That's God's promise as a father to us as his children. What about Isaiah 65 verse 24? I will answer them before they even call to me. Isn't that amazing? And I love the moments when I sometimes anticipate the needs of my children and, and, uh, or even better when I anticipate the needs of my amazing wife. I, I wish it happened more often, but sometimes I need some good reminders. But, but that's the nature of God, that He anticipates what we need before we even call to Him. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. That's God's responsiveness towards us. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Church, I can come with a whole lot of good ideas and philosophical concepts, but going to the scripture and hearing what God says about prayer and what he promises, that's the word of God that's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, and that's what brings life. I encourage you not only to hear this, but to go and dig for yourself. How should we pray? That's a good question, and we grow in this. But I think something that I loved about what that, that question, it's a great question, and Jesus was asked that by His friends, by His disciples as well. And, and here's what the Bible and Jesus especially had to say about how to pray. Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, this is, this is the first statement. Our first focus is our Father in heaven. There's an acknowledgement of who He is. There's an acknowledgement of His heavenly being and holiness and righteousness. And then this, hallowed. It's, a, it's an old word which simply means to be revered or honored. And the, I love that word honored because what honored really means is it's my focused attention on receiving you for the gift of who you really are to me. 
That's how I best honor you, and that's how I honor God. I hallow Him. I honor Him. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. Just, just stop and wonder in amazement at that for a moment. Jesus said we should pray and we should declare that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the kingdom of God and the will of God and what does heaven look like? Because the, the call in us is a declaration that says that here. Wow. Give us today our daily bread. It's a, it's a recognition of God as our provider. Give us today our daily bread. It's what we need to live and thrive and to live out our God-given purpose on earth. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. I could spend the next few hours on just that portion of scripture but I, I'm going to move on for the sake of time. Uh, there's some remarkable scriptures that, that talk about how we should pray as well. Uh, pray in the Spirit, Ephesians 6 verse 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Always keep on praying. I, I love this concept of praying in the Spirit. What is that? Praying in the Spirit is really about praying with an expectation of divine help. It's praying things that are not possible in the human mind. It's praying for miraculous things to happen that seem impossible in the world. That's what praying in the Spirit is all about. It's, it's part of that is praying in tongues, part of that, but that's not just praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is an expectancy level that is rooted in heavenly places, church. One of those days in Luke six twelve, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and He spent the night praying to God. When last have you and I spent the night praying to God? <laughs> I, I don't mean that as a heavy, but, but Jesus valued that. There's something in prayer that he had a revelation of that I think we could grow in somewhat. I, I love this. Being alone with God is it's, it's a reminder of our priorities. Uh, taking the time as Martin Luther said, I have such a busy day today, I should spend the first three hours in prayer. There's, there's a revelation of those priorities. And I, I love this quiet time, that quiet time, that focused time with God forces busyness to find its victims elsewhere. I heard that quote some time ago. I, I, I don't know who said it, but I, I just, it's so powerful that, that that quiet time forces busyness to find its victims elsewhere. Jesus, in Luke 18, verse 1, told His disciples a parable for this purpose, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Have we heard about this yet? Persistency in prayer. Don't give up. Don't give up. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray continually. There's so many more scriptures. I, I, I can just keep going. James 4, verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I think it's important to note, friends, that sometimes when my kids ask me for certain things and they get mad at me for saying no, it's because I might know something that they don't know. <laughs> and 
the truth of it is it's not necessarily always for their, for their better good, for, their, uh, for them to thrive in life, to live out the call of God in their lives. Sometimes no is the best answer for them. And I, I honestly believe that when we pray prayers that would remove us from uh, God's purpose for our lives and would, would, would bring us into places where it would be dangerous potentially um, to our lives. And I'm not saying danger for the sake of the gospel. I'm saying danger that's just not necessary. And I think that sometimes God will not answer our prayers with a yes because of things like that. Some unanswered prayers are only because God doesn't want to do something for us. He wants to do something in us and through us. We often are the answer to the prayers that we're praying because He wants us to arise, shine, for our light has come, church. I, I want to um, just share this with you, and then I'm going to wrap up. Praying from a place of worship. One of the things that I, I, I heard some time ago, and, and it's changed the way that I pray, it's this. When I, when I come in a time of prayer, whether it's in corporate prayer together, as a church family, whether it's on my own, I, I've, I've, I've be, it's become a habit for me to start with a place of worship. Because when I worship Him, I magnify Him, I, I force the distractions aside, and I focus my attention on Him. The truth of it is, my actual time of prayer is not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a long time. But I've learned and I've made the adjustments in my life to say that if I had a half an hour to pray, I would spend the majority of that time in worship. Because the way I pray after being in that place of worship changes. It absolutely changes. Bill Johnson once made this statement, and I love it. He says, I would rather live from the connection of His presence because something happens where your subconscious becomes aware of the heart of God. Something happens when our subconscious becomes aware of the heart of God. That happens in a place of worship, friends. That happens deeply there. I want to challenge us today and wrap up with this. I think sometimes we are so quick and easy to get into habits, to, re to religious and ritualistic practices, and we don't even realize it. Honestly, I want to encourage us to do a quick evaluation in our own lives. Has prayer become a ritual for me? Is, is it something that I do once a week when the preacher asks me to bow my head in prayer? Is it maybe joining us for prayer meeting? Well, then I'm praying together with people for a whole hour a, a week, and that, that's super spiritual. Well, that's wonderful, but, but that's not a reflection on the value that you have of prayer in your life, church family. Is it a lifestyle? Is it a relationship? Or is it a religious duty that we feel we have to tick a box in? And I, I really ask that with a heart that says, please, please, please step into the greater revelation of the gift. Take it off the shelf, unwrap it. If you've got it in your hand and you use it, read the user manual. Discover that there's so much more to this incredible, remarkable gift of prayer. I want to challenge us with this, that the heartfelt and persistent prayers that you and I pray can shape the future, and they have shaped the past, whether we believed it or not. That's the power of prayer. Let's begin praying 
with conviction, church. Let's begin praying with a deep revelation that is God's desire that His will and His kingdom will come on earth just as it is in heaven. Amen. Daryl, I'm going to invite you to come and join me up here. And I want to pray for us. Fancy that. At the end of our time of prayer, I am going to invite you to start right now. Let's just pray together. And I pray that this will be the start of a whole new way and revelation for us church family in how we pray together. So Father God, I come before you in front of my friends and family today. And I just want to honestly say to you, Jesus, that even when I don't know how to begin, your scripture says that, that there are times when I don't know what to pray and the Spirit himself intercedes in my behalf with groans and and utterances that I don't even know and understand. But today, Father, I want to thank you for this gift of prayer. I want to pray for my friends and family and those that are joining us from wherever it might be today, that even now a deep sense of your presence would come in their homes, a deep sense of the revelation of this gift of prayer would come and you would dwell. Father, I pray that our lives would change from this day onwards, that every day would look different because we have grown in our revelation of the deep, deep, deep gift of prayer. Holy Spirit, thank you for this gift. We honor you and we give you the glory to your name. In Jesus' amazing and precious name.